Good morning. Glad that you're with us today. Is my microphone on? Okay, testing. There we go. Glad that you're with us today. And today is what a great day, always to get together and worship. And thank you to Will for those words to get us started today and to Alex and his prayer. You know, even as I speak right now, I'm being translated into Ukrainian, which is a wonderful thing that we have so many people with us here that speak Ukrainian and some speak Russian. And uh, so we have a translation. Elizabeth, a wonderful translator, is doing that right now. But also we have a class that's in Chinese for our Chinese members. And we have a class in Spanish where people whose Spanish is either their native language or where people are from, from Spanish-speaking countries, get to come and learn in their language. And part of this is because if we are going to be, and we are, the most diverse city in Houston, we need to look like our community. We want everyone to know Jesus. Now, in my opinion, it'd be great if we all knew English, but what is most important is that everybody knows Jesus. And so we want to share Jesus in every language, and we want everyone to proclaim him. And today, how beautiful that was that we got to hear in another language Jesus being proclaimed. We continue on this morning in our series about bold faith, and we've been in this for a little while, and I want to take you back for a little bit about just to remind us where we are, because our audience changes a little bit every, every week, and some of us know the Bible well, and some of us are hearing it for the first time. But way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, God said to a man named Abraham, I want to create my nation through you, through you and your wife, Sarah. I want to create this great nation. And so you can imagine how excited Abraham was. He left where he was. He went to a new place. He was going to have all these descendants. He's going to be, it'd be like the king of the family, right? Couldn't it not be wonderful? But he doesn't have hardly any descendants at all. And it was confusing to him because he didn't have any for more than 20 years. And what this doesn't make sense. But finally, after a time and even after he died, his family grew a little bit. And leaving out lots of details, they end up in, in Egypt. And they're in Egypt and the Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, loves, the, the, loves the, the Israelites or the Hebrews as they were known as, loves them and everything is good. And then that Pharaoh dies and there is a new Pharaoh and the new Pharaoh, instead of wanting the Israelites to be there and to be loving them, decides to enslave the Israelites. And then for hundreds of years, Israel would be slaves inside of Egypt. You can imagine how awful and horrible those moments would have been. Generation after generation living as slaves. And then finally, God, knowing that pain and knowing that's not where his nation was to remain, God calls Moses and Moses is comes up and does what God wants and, and through what we would call a series of plagues and which are all miraculous, Pharaoh changes his heart and God's people are, are able to leave. And finally they're able to leave and be free. And so they, you may remember if you know this story, if not, read in your Bible in the book of Genesis and then in the book of Exodus how all of this takes place. And they get in front of the, of the Red Sea and there's no way to cross it. And God opens up the sea and lets Israel walk through that place. And now finally they're on the other side. And after getting on the other side, as excited as they are, they're not sure exactly what they're going to do. 
what will we do? Now, God had a plan, but the people were confused about that, what that plan was going to be. I read a story back, at, well, I didn't read the story. Actually, I heard it, heard the, the, the audio of this, of a woman. It was, it, the audio was made in like 1920 or 1930. It was a very ancient audio for, for, for that kind of system, but let us hear what former slaves were saying. And it was about a plantation here in Texas. And at this particular plantation, at, on the last night, slavery had ended, the war was over, folks didn't know that, and finally the plantation owner comes out, puts on a big banquet for the people, and they're excited because of this banquet. And this woman, a former slave, is telling the story of what it was like. And she said, we ate, and we were all happy, and we had no idea what the occasion was, and finally the plantation owner stands up and says, the war is over, slavery is ended, you are all now free. And they all jumped up and down and rejoiced and then realized they had nowhere to go. Where will we go now? The people of Israel come out of Egypt and they're out here in the desert. And now what are we going to do? God said, I'm going to lead you to the promised land. I'm going to give you this great place. But the people doubt and the people question. And there was, well, while others may not have had a promised land, God had a promised land for his people of where they were supposed to be and how exciting it should be. And God permitted his people to take over a land, and you can read why in the book of Leviticus, which is the third book in the Bible, and Leviticus chapter 18 will tell you the sins of the people that lived in places like Jericho and the other cities that were destroyed, but because our audience is wide and because this is not really our subject today, I would just encourage you to read those things in Leviticus chapter 18 because they are fairly explicit about the sins of the people that lived in the land that Israel would take over. And God did not want those sins to be there. They were mostly sexual sins, but also there was child sacrifice that was included in that. And so God was calling them there and said that I want you to start in a perfect place and a right place without those influences on you and so one of those cities that they would overtake is Jericho and so today as we think about that we're thinking about about Rahab who is an unexpected hero you can read her story in the book of Joshua now Rahab is an unexpected hero because well first of all she's a Canaanite she is one of those people who, who is not part of God's nation, we might say, or the one he was forming, but also she's a prostitute. She runs a house, or she is the prostitute, whatever it is, she is known in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that refers to her as Rahab the prostitute. So you would not expect her to be a hero in a story in the Bible, but she is. She lives in the city of Jericho, and as the Bible says about what her house was like, it says that, that Jericho was a fortified city, meaning that it had, it had walls all the way around the city, and her house was on top of the wall. You know what that means? If her house is on top of the wall and she has a window looking out, it's good for advertising, right? As she could just yell down to visitors who are coming into the city for the first time, there she is, stop on by when you come in. So she would have met people as they walked, as they came in, or people who worked for her, whoever it was. What a way to advertise. And so there she is, she's from Jericho, 
And there were spies that came from Israel because they're going to overtake this land. And these spies come to Jericho to look and see what's going on there. It was obvious how they could have met her in the beginning, even before they walked in the city. Now, I am certainly not saying they were there for her profession, but they met her in that city. And she was willing to hide the spies, not just once, but twice she hid them. Now, why would this woman be willing to go against her her government against everything she knew why would she be willing to do that it seems like such a strange thing for her to do until we get to joshua chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 that explains some of this and i'll try to fill in places go back and read the whole story in the book of joshua it's powerful before the spies before the men fell asleep she went up on the roof and she said to them I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in this land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you. That was 40 years ago. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came up out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. And when we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Do you see what she does? She recognized the power of God. She heard the stories, and she recognizes the power. Now, many of you in here who have been Christians for many years, for decades, you probably have more Bibles in your house than you can count. You have it in sin. You have the King James, the NIV, the ESV, the LMNOQPQ, whatever. You have them all, right? You have all those versions of the Bible. But you have to read what's in the Bible, and you have to believe what's in the Bible, and you have to follow what's in the Bible. If you have a smartphone, You probably have the Bible on your phone right now, and if you have internet access, you can get all the versions you want to get in thousands of of translations and in many, many, many languages. We don't lack access to the Word of God. Yet how many people do nothing with the Word of God? People don't follow God. People, People go and do whatever they want to. Even Christians ignore the Word of God. But when she heard the stories of what God was doing, when she heard those things, she recognized the power of God, didn't know what to do about it, I'm sure, but now here is her opportunity of how can I be a part of this? How can I follow and be a part? She said something that is so important for us that we should memorize. We ought to say it on good days. We ought to say it on bad days. We ought to say it when we're in line at the store. We ought to say this when we're in traffic. We ought to say this when we are blessed by God with blessings. The Lord God is God in heaven, above and on earth. When I'm frustrated, I need to remember that the Lord God is God in heaven above and on earth. And when I receive some kind of incredible blessing, maybe it's a bonus, maybe it's good news from a friend, whatever, I also need to remember that the Lord God is God in heaven above and on earth. So these spies come to Rahab. 
and Rahab hid them in her house. She actually will end up kind of hiding them twice. And she hides them in her house, and they talk to her, and, and they say, look, this is what's going to happen. God is coming through Jericho. And she says, I, I want to be a part of the plan. I want to help you, but I'm asking something of you. Will you protect me and my mom and my dad and my relatives? Would you protect us so that we thrive and we don't die? She asked for safety for her family. And the spies agreed. Of course, they made this sort of covenant here of where they agree with her and say, yes, absolutely. They go back and tell their leader, Joshua, who knew a whole lot about spying because he had been one, they go back and tell Joshua about this woman who is willing to help them, who believes in God, in the Yahweh God of the Bible, and says she, she says she'll help, but she wants safety. We can all understand that, right? So in Joshua chapter 6, in verses 22 and 23, and for time, we'll skip to verse 25. Joshua said to the two men who had scouted the land, go to the prostitute's house and bring the, women, the woman out of there, to, to Rahab's house, and all who are with her, just as you swore to her. So the young men who had scouted went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her whole family and they settled them outside the camp of Israel. However, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, her father's family, and all who belonged to her because she hid the messenger, she hid the spies that Joshua had sent to spy on Jericho. And she still lives in Israel today. Now, obviously, this was a long time ago, so she has passed away by now. But when this was written, she was still alive living with Israel. That is incredible to think that here she is against Israel, and now she will become a part of Israel. She will become a part of them. And there's something even more incredible about that. When you start reading the lineage of Jesus, the ancestry of Jesus, Rahab is a part of that history. She was a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Can you believe that? First of all, if you have a past that is a bad past or one that some would be embarrassed of, understand that there can be good days ahead of you. You don't have to give up. But you do need to be faithful, just like Rahab committed to being faithful to God. She surrendered to God. So Rahab was one of those that was faithful. Now, now here's the thing about her. She didn't just have faith. She had works. She had works besides faith. You know, there are a lot of people that will tell you about their faith, and they will tell you, oh, I love God but you never see anything from them, right? Oh, Jesus is so great, but you don't see that in their lives. Years and years ago, there was, I was talking to a man who was not a Christian, and I was trying to encourage him about, you know, Christianity is great, and you ought to study the Bible with me, and I said, well, you know, this other guy that I mentioned that he knew, I said, our friend, he's a Christian. I said, we go to church together. He goes, you do not. I said, no, we really do. He goes, you do not. I said, no, we really do. He said, that guy goes to church? I would never believe that in a million years. There are people who talk a good game, but they do not live what they talk. 
It is important that we live what we talk. Also, years ago, there was a woman I knew, probably five, six, seven years, fairly well. And oh, she could talk the Bible, and she could talk about what was going on in this congregation and that congregation, and what she didn't like about these people, and what she didn't like about those people. And in the six or seven years that I knew her, she never once attended a worship service. This was pre-watch online, okay? She never once did that. Talk again, but not live the faith. It is possible to talk about faith and not live. Jesus says, or or James says, the half-brother of Jesus, show me your works. Show me those things. Obviously, faith is important, but so is living for Jesus. This congregation has some incredible ministries for helping people, and and Wayne Roberts helps us as our connection minister to do those things. Ministries to help people in need, ministries to, to serve those in our community as well as people in our congregation that need help. And that's one way. That is maybe the most organized way. But it's not just about being in our ministries, although that's part of it. It's about the way we live every day. What am I like in my neighborhood? Am I serving and helping people and standing up for the name of Jesus in my neighborhood or at work or at school? Or is that something I hide away? You see, she had faith and she had works, just as James put it in James chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route, faith and works. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. A person that just has faith is like a corpse that has no life. Faith without works is dead. Now, my guess is, and and educated guess, is that the overwhelming majority of people that are in this audience and watching online are people who live their faith, who have faith and works. But you know, you can even come to a church building or watch online every week and not have works. Works demonstrate the faith that we declare to have. Words are meaningless without action. We can say all kinds of things, but if there is no action, those words are nothing but hot air. Words are meaningless without action. So I think about Rahab. How could Rahab survive when her culture collapsed? When all of Jericho collapsed, how could she survive that? Because you think about how devastating that would be, right? You know, our culture is stronger in some ways, has a stronger influence than it's ever had, it feels like. I understand there have always been temptations, but today, because, because of our phones, probably more than anything, it is right there in front of us all the time. People known as, as cultural influencers. I mean, you can make money doing that, right? Your job is to influence other people to buy a product or, or wear a certain type of clothes or whatever. The culture is everywhere. And culture can be good except when 
the culture is against God or teaches a morality that God does not approve of. That is when the culture is wrong. How does she survive when her culture collapses? It's because she wasn't tied to the culture. She had been tied to the culture. When she's a prostitute, she's tied to the culture. But she is obviously leaving that, and instead of clinging to her old profession or her old life, she is now clinging to God and trusting God at the biggest moment of her life. Of all times, this is truly life or death. She is clinging to him. She is connected to him in this moment. So whatever my moments are that I'm dealing with, maybe it's a job thing, maybe it's a move to a new place, maybe it's health concerns, maybe it's not even my health concerns, maybe it's, it's my parents' health concerns or a spouse's health concerns. Am I clinging to God? Am I connected to God in the midst of those things? Or am I really just connected to my culture? I pretend to be this here and I'm this over here. God says you can't do that. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll either, you're going to love one and hate the other. You talk about a miserable place to be. It's to try to serve two masters because you can't do it. So here are my questions. We don't have just one today. We have two questions today. How's my faith? How's my faith? I pray your faith is so strong. I pray you got up this morning and you were saying, praise God while you're still in bed. I pray today, no matter what happens, if you get bad news, you still will have strong faith in God. But that's the question, how's my faith? And for some of us who might have declared to have this wonderful faith, this is the next question. How do I show my faith? How do I show that? Is it just something that I keep inward? Oh, I don't want anybody to know. You know, it's a private business. Find a place in the Bible where faith was just a private thing. That doesn't exist. It was always public to the point that it took Jesus to the cross. Faith is always public in one way or another. shouldn't be obnoxious, but it also should, also, it should be public. There's a comedian some of you know of by the name of Louis C.K. And he said something that I want you to do the opposite of what he says, okay, in one of his little routines. This is what Louis C.K. said. He said, I have a lot of beliefs, and I live by none of them. He said, they are just my beliefs. They make me feel good about who I am to have beliefs. But if my beliefs get in the way of something that I want, I just forget my beliefs and do what I want to do. You know what I'm talking about, right? We all do that sometimes. It's called sin. Some of us, we would, at this moment in time, or if we were after singing some of those beautiful songs, we would never go against, against Jesus. And then we find ourselves sinning. And our beliefs are pushed to the side. What we're talking about today is not only believing something, but acting out what we believe, living what we believe. This morning, this whole group wants to help you. This whole group, actually, they want you to help, we want you to help us too. But we want to help. 
And if you need prayers, everybody here, we'll all pray for you and we'll stay around and pray with you. You can come forward and whenever we start singing and we'll pray for you. If you don't, aren't comfortable with that, talk to me out in the foyer or, or write to us at elders at mcoc.org and, and the elders of the church will pray for you. If you say, you know what, I am ready. I am ready to start following Jesus. I am all in. I am going to put my faith and my works in the same place. I'm going to let him save me, but I'm going to be, I'm ready. You can be baptized into Jesus. Today even, just like several people were in the last week. And he will take away your sin. He will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit that helps you to fight those things and helps you to live for him. He will add you to his kingdom he will make you in a way like Rahab. He will make you a part of his nation. God can do all of that. Come this morning as we stand and sing.